Glory to God. Here we go. Here we go. That the message, the million sonship live. Uh, thank you for joining us today and being in the midst of us today. We're continuing on the same theme of love has guts, and this will be the third Sunday in 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 um, traveling on this vein that the Lord spoke to me three weeks ago. Now. Uh, love has guts, and the, the guts of love is faith, that the faith of the Son of God now lives inside of us, and that this is truly the guts that we have now. It is from this faith that we overcome. It's from this faith that we can understand all things. The, the writer of Hebrews says that all thing, that faith gives us understanding to the framework of the world. And so without faith, we have no understanding of the framework of the world. And so because of that, the importance of these messages to be able to grow in the revelation of that which we already have. And really the, the, the greatest victory that we have is this completed work of the cross, a finished work that now really lives inside of us because he, Jesus, the author and the finisher lives in me now. So can we say the completed work now lives in me? The author and the finisher of my faith lives in me. The faith of the Son of God who started and who finished it lives in me. Actually, let's go to Philippians. And the title of this message is Love Endures. Love Endures. Love has guts was the first one. And then right after that was love never gives up. And today is love endures. Not just this first flash as I was opening here. I wasn't planning on coming into it so, so soon, but right here. What I said is that now the author and the finisher, the perfecter of my faith lives inside of me. The, the faith of the Son of God lives inside of me. And, and right prior to that, I said that really the ultimate revelation is to, to recognize that the finished work, faith, now lives inside of me. And so in Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing that we are now in the body of Christ to be confident of this very thing that he who has began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, my confidence is in the one that lives inside of me. The one that has started this work of faith is the one that would complete it because he said, it is finished. The one that said on the cross, it is finished, now lives in me. And my confidence is that he did say it is finished. My confidence is that he did indeed say it is finished. And because he did indeed say it is finished, in terms of it's all done, it's complete. Now walk in this finished work, then I can endure to the very end. I will be of the one found running the race to the very end, looking unto Jesus the perfecter of my faith, knowing full, with full assurance that the one that has called me to run is the one that's keeping me running and is the one that who makes sure I finish strong to the very end. And so love endures. And so we go back to the verse that we had looked the last two Sundays and we're going to do the same. 1 Corinthians 13 in the New Living. It's verse 7. Love never gives up. That's what we spoke of last week. Love never gives up in the theme of love has guts. Love has guts. The guts, the guts of love is this overwhelming persuasion 
that I got it. The, the, the guts of love is this overwhelming assurance that if God be for me, who can be against me? The guts of love is this overwhelming confidence that the one who's, who has called me to start this race now lives in me and he will ensure as I yield to the assurance that I'll finish. Why is it so important to know that? Because we're living in perilous times, the word of God says. The word of God says we're living in the last hour, in the last days, that we are not to be ignorant of the days that we're living in. And because of that, the persuasion of the world will be, you're not going to make it. The persuasion of the world, the voice that, that, that wants to communicate, the voice of the world will be, just give up. Uh, is it worth it? Just conform, just conform, just bow the knee. The voice of the world is there's no point in serving God. But when I have a persuasion of the one that lives in me, that I, I can be confident, what Paul writes to the Philippians, being confident of this very thing, of this very thing, of this one very thing, that he who has began, he who has begun a good work in you, where? In me, because he now lives in me, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I love that. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are part acres with me of grace. Like he is in chains. This is verse 7 I just read. And as much as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are part acres with me of grace. Of the grace to finish strong no matter what the circumstances. Of the, of the grace to, to have a defense for the gospel. Of the grace to even be in chains for the gospel. Of the grace to endure strong to the very end. And that's what we're to be confident in. That the grace that's inside of us will keep us to the very end. The grace that's within me will keep me to the very end. Why? Because love lives in me. In love, we've looked the last few weeks. I mean, we know this verse never fails. And if love never fails and love lives with me, then, then, then I have an assurance. I have a confidence of this very thing that he who has began a good work in me will complete it. He will complete it. He will complete it. Why? Because I'm a partaker of the grace. I'm a partaker of the grace that Paul was a partaker of, of the life of Christ that now lives in me. I'm a partaker of divine nature. Peter writes, being associates of the God kind, being partakers of the divine life of God. And so because of I'm, I'm born of God, because I'm born of God, I have overcome the world, John writes. So can we say, because I'm born of love, I've overcome the world, because love has overcome the world. How did love overcome the world? How was love made manifest to us? John says, for this very matter, Jesus was made manifest to you. For what? 
to destroy, that word is law, to undo the works of the devil. And we know Jesus was the manifestation of the love of God. So how was love manifested? By dying on the cross. By a death that he died, he defeated hell. Because out of that death came life. So love overcomes because love always brings forth a resurrection. Because love is resurrection. Love is anti-death. <laughs> love has triumphed over death by bringing forth his son as a propitiation for that which brought forth death on the, on, the, on the man of God. What brought death on the man of God? On, 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 the, on man, on sin, sin, sin. Sin had dominion over flesh. Sin had dominion over man. And how did, how did God trumpet? Through love. Love. That he so loved the world. That he so loved man and woman, of course. That he so loved humanity. That he sent his son to die for us. To become a propitiation for, 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 for that which really we were under wrath for sin. Love did that. And love brought forth resurrection of, of the one whom he loves, the, the, the beloved son of God. And as he was raised up together with him, we were raised up. And so the oneness, the oneness that we have in love is really the ultimate revelation that we are pressing unto. That I am now one with love and love is one with me. There's no separation from the love of God. Because if love before me, no one can be against me. Nothing can separate me from this victorious dominion, power, triumphant love that sent forth his son to die and that that's son came up out of the grave that's love love is pure triumph and so when God said love has guts it got me really excited because I know it has guts the whole wrath of God was on Jesus on the cross every the, the, you've heard men women of God preach that every demon from hell was on that what he what was going on in the scene was far greater than what was going on in the scene on that cross from that moment that he'll cry father why have you forsaken me the confidence of love to do that for the joy that was laid before Jesus, he walked and he endured the shame of the cross. Love did that. And now I'm born from love. And if I'm born from love, then I can't give up. Because there's no give up. There's no failure. There's no, there, there's no defeat in love. If there was defeat in love, then Jesus could never come up out of the grave. Think about that. If there was defeat... If there was any failure in love, if there was any legal possibility for love not to make it up and out every single time in triumph, Jesus could not have come up out of the grave. Resurrection would not be possible. Love is unquenching fire, pure dominion. And, 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 unhindered power. Unhinged. I, I don't have words to, to say the power unleashed, power unlimited, power that is love, unstoppable. 
Can I'm born of this love? And so when we talk about, even if you go in your own private time and you read, you know, on love from Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians 13, this top verses here, then you identify these are the characteristics of love. These are my characteristics because I am now born of love. And if I'm born of love, then I am patient and I am kind and I am long-suffering, not boastful. I don't parade myself heartily. But I'm humble and meek as my master is humble and meek. I have the very qualities of the Son of God now. I have his nature. I have his DNA. I have his identity. I have his materiality, which is faith. <laughs> I have the tangibility of the faith of the Son of God that has overcome all because love never fails. God spoke to me when he gave me the title Love Endures, and I knew it was very much in the stream of the last two weeks. This is the third one now, Love Endures, and he said to me, the characteristics of an overcomer is this, that love endures, because Jesus came in the power of an endless life. So I just talked about love being unlimited. I just... Words, unless the Holy Spirit gives you words to define, and of course, He's so skilled with the Word of God to give us words to define the love of God, which is still even, even a revelatory base, because these words our minds can't fully comprehend unless your mind has been renewed by the power of the Word of God to recognize love and to know love now lives in you and that you're now one with love, that now you bear the very image of love and because of it, you recognize he came in the power of an endless life. What is an endless life? Is a life without failure. Oh! If there is an end, it can be stopped. <laughs> Jesus came in the power of an endless life. That's in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 7. It didn't come according. Let's go to verse 16. Uh, regarding Jesus, our high priest in the same order of Melchizedek. How a high priest, we have a high priest that has come into the power of an endless love, life. And we know that power of an endless, the power of an endless life is love. The power of an endless life is love. What does love looks like? The power of an endless life. That is the very eternal life of God. Because God is love. And God is light. And Jesus, who is God, the Word made flesh, came in the power of an endless life. Or we can say, go back to, to John's, uh, in, in the Gospel of John, that he, God so loved the world, he sent his son. In the manner that he sent the son, that's the same manner that the son came in. <laughs> if he sent him in the manner of love, Jesus came in the manner of love, and in the word he in Hebrew says that he came in the manner of an endless life, then we recognize this is what love looks like, the power of an endless Life. So here's 16. Who has come not according to 
the law of fleshly commandment, there's nothing fleshly about Jesus. No fleshly commandment could usher in the divine. No fleshly commandment could usher in the divine. The fleshly commandment was what? To restrain the flesh so that with the restraint of the flesh, the divine be seen. That's what the purpose of the law was. To convict of sin. So you reign in. You conform to, to the law. You conform to, to that which the Lord has spoken to you. Why? So the divine be seen. And that's why he can't come by, 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 according to the law of fleshly commandment. Because that's not his law. That's not his order. Because there was nothing to restrain. That There was nothing that had to be restrained on him. Because he is love and he is pure. There's no sin. But the commandments were given for, for us, humanity, to restrain us so that when the divine comes in, we'll be able to recognize him. And what's really sad is those Pharisees that walked in the law of flesh and commandments could not recognize him, because for them that was in vain. Did it in vain. They did not do it unto God, but they did it unto for parade. They paraded with these commandments. A self-accolade. They were boastful. They were not manifesting Paul was writing 1 Corinthians 13. They were boastful. They were not walking in the love of God. So if you go back here to Hebrews 7. No, he didn't come, verse 16. He didn't come according to the law of fleshly commandments, but according to the power <laughs> of an endless life. He came according to the power of an endless life. That's what we are about. That's the unrestrained, unhindered love of God that never fails. I love what the recap of Boris is, the, the reckless love of God. It chases you down, and well, now he's got me. <laughs> he's got me. <laughs> he's got me. Love has us now. And yet he, he's constantly pursuing our understanding. To open up to this divine reality of love, unmeasurable, of love with no measure, of love unrestrained, of love, of love unhindered, of love immense, of love divine, who God is, love is. Oh, and so because of it, if you go now to, I wanted to look, um, did I even read 1 Corinthians 13, 7? Let's do that again. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love never loses faith because, of course, faith works for love. So if you're moving in love, you can't lose faith. <laughs> you never lose your faith if you have a revelation of the love of God because faith works through love. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful. Wow, yeah, because if you're walking in love and, and faith works through love, we know what faith is, is substance of things hoped for. So you never lose your hope. How contented this verse truly is by the flesh and the world. But we don't recognize ourselves after the flesh nor the world. We recognize ourselves after love now, after a new creation man that's born of God. Always hopeful, endures through every 
circumstance. I think my, my King James says, endures all things. And that's from where love endures title came from, is that love endures through every circumstance. And I wanted to look up the word endures in light of everything I just said. Uh, the, the strongs of that verse is love. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Uh-uh. <laughs> All things, all things are of God. The part of all things, I, I have the concordance here, it's um, that is all, the whole, every part of, including all forms of uh, de- declension, apparently a primary word, all, any, every, the whole. I believe the whole counsel of the word of God. Hopes all things, endures all things, and that word endures I won't even try to, I mean, it's not a difficult, hupomeno, it's it's to await, to endure. I stand my ground, I show endurance, to bear up against, literally here the word study is remaining under the load. (laughs) Love can remain under the load of the circumstance and outrun it. I endure all things. Love has guts. Love has endurance guts. Literally, remaining under the load, bear, I'm thinking of a weightlifter, heavy, heavy weightlifter bearing under that load and not giving in until it, it goes up and is thrust out. That's love. I overcome all things. I'm born of love. Nothing's too heavy for us. Nothing's too heavy weight for us. Everything that we're walking in love is made to be budged by love. To be out endured, because love endures all things, never caves in. (laughs) Bearing up, enduring for the believer, this uniquely happens by God's power. By God's power, because faith resides in me. The guts of love, faith resides in me. This is what I read, of course, is the verb, the noun of it. I love the noun of it. Patient, enduring, endurance, steadfastness, patient, waiting for. It's broken uh, from two words, under and remain, properly uh, remaining under, endurance, steadfastness, especially as God enables the believer to remain under challenges. Why? Why? Why would a heavyweight lifter be lifting weights? Because there's a shaping going on. There's a toning going on. Resistance training is very good for us. It works a far greater way to glory. It brings forth a resilience, a stability in my walk. It brings forth a stronger persuasion that if I made it through that, I'll make it through that one as well. Because I know who lives in me. If Jesus made it through the cross, then I'll make it through this moment. Because he is my assurance. That's what Paul writes to the Philippians. Have this confidence. Have that, this confidence. Have a backbone. Just, just, just walk through it. You'll be fine. Just keep on walking. I love um, this, the, the noun of this word has three main definitions. Steadfastness, consistency, endurance. 
into this part, the explanation is in the New Testament, the characteristics of a man who is unswerved from his deliberate purpose. Oh, unswerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety. But even the greatest trials and sufferings. That's what Paul said to them. He said, doesn't matter whether I'm in chains or no chains. I'm making it. You're going to make it too. Have this one confidence that he who started the work in you, he'll complete it to the very end. Inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. And swervedness in his deliberate purpose and loyalty to faith and piety, but even the greatest trials and suffering. It's like, bring it on, Satan. <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's when God sits in the heaven, he laughs. His confidence in that which he has placed in us, it's him himself. It's, this is the hour to actually believe the whole counsel of the word of God, the whole part. That if he be for me, if this divine reality be for me, what worldly reality can come against me? It can't. That was the one definition, a steadfast constancy. I love the word constancy. I love a constant man. <laughs> uh, that's a work in progress in all of us. Endurance. The second part of that word that we, we so, um, patient enduring is, um, a patient, steadfast waiting for. And this is characterized in reference to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we won't be able to endure all things if we don't have a persuasion. You know, he's the soon returning king. This is not in vain. This is not in vain. This is not in vain. There is a great purpose to that which we're walking out here on earth. This is all of it is because we are in, 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 in anticipation of his soon return. And when you have that perspective, you have a forward gaze. When you have that perspective, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, then I can endure all things. I can run this course knowing he's coming back for me. He's coming back. And the third is a patient, enduring, sustaining. And I, I look up, there's one reference, uh, one, one verse that uses this, this, uh, second Corinthians 1, 6. Yeah. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective. What? For enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer this is paul writing second corinthians 1 6 now if we are afflicted it is for your consolation it's for your comfort buddy <laughs> it's for your comfort i'm in jail for your comfort what persuasion did paul walk in to count it all joy all the time. 
Say, I rejoice again. I say, I say, rejoice. What, what persuasion? How unmoved was he here? The revelation of the love of God. A revelation. He trusted the word of God. He trusted the word of God. He trusted that which God spoke to him. The revelations God gave him, he trusted it. He didn't decide to one day uh, go for another revelation. Because just in case, the one he showed me last time really was not God. He knew the voice of God and he was led solely by the voice of God. And that's what I spoke to him when, when um, I just did a dominion talk on no fear. That's right, no fear. We have no fear because we have great endurance. We have the love of God. The love of God flushes out fear. But um, Paul, when he went to Damascus, blinded from, from, from that encounter with the living Christ and went to that a, a brother, Ananias, and when Ananias prayed, he said, no, you're, you're called to Gentiles. And in that moment, he said, you're called to, to, to hear his voice, the words of his voice. All of us in the body of Christ are called to hear the words, the, the, the words of his voice, to know the will of God, to know the purpose, the plan for our lives, to see the just one. Though That's what Ananias spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost over, over Paul, the apostle. And he walked it out. So much so he says, these sufferings, they're for your consolation. So you would too endure to the very end. That you partake of my grace. That though I'm in change for the defense of the gospel, it really doesn't matter. Because if God before me, the soon returning king, it's not in vain. It's not in vain. It's not in vain. Again, 2 Corinthians 1, 6. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring this, this comfort and this salvation. It is effective for enduring, for this, this perseverance, this patient enduring, this sustaining power, God in us to overcome all things. Effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. No matter what you face today, know you have already triumphed over it. No matter what you're facing today, know that it's a done deal. No matter what you're facing today, know that you're bigger than it. No matter what we face on a regular basis, we have to have a persuasion that if love be for me, if I'm born of love who, who is triumphant, he leads me always in triumph, then, then what? What hatred can be against me? What sin can be against me? What temptation can be? It's not possible to overcome me unless I choose to walk away from the confidence that I had in the beginning. Unless I choose to shrink back from this divine utterance. Unless I choose to park into a hook from the head. That holds all the ligaments that we spoke of last week from, from Colossians 2.19, I believe. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Yeah. Off script, <laughs> but totally on script. <laughs> this is my third week trying to do my little verses here. <laughs> I keep rewriting them. It's so good.
It's so good. Second ah. <laughs> Timothy 1. Oh, glory be to God. It's exciting to be alive in Christ. <laughs> Second Timothy 1. Okay, rated C. Yeah, I mean, if we look at chapter 1, 2 Timothy, just what we just spoke, well, let's see 6, therefore I remind you to stir up right now. What are we doing? We're stirring up the gift of God. What is the gift of God? Love. Jesus. He's so loved the world, he gave a gift. Stir up the gift. Stir up the faith of God inside of you. Stir up this divine persuasion. Awaken, awaken the reality of Christ in you, the hope. Awaken it. Awaken it. Stir it up. And that's what, that's what chases out fear. That's why he says you've not been given the spirit of fear right after that. Because when you stir up love, love flushes out fear. You don't have to like, with sword it down every time. Just meditate the love of God. Meditate the love of God and the love of God is a sword of the spirit which is the word of God, and cuts, cuts off the torment that's in fear. For God has not given a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. And because of it, don't be afraid. So don't be ashamed. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, Oh, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. But share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And that's why he said, have confidence in this grace, that the one who started this work, he will complete it. Have confidence in this grace. But it has now been revealed by the appearing of our Lord Jesus, of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. He has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I love it because we just said he came in the power of Jesus, came in the power of an endless life, and we know that we are now after the manner of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're now born from above. We're born of the Spirit, and now we have eternal life living in us. And that's why heaven is assured for us, because we're born again. But, but his life was revealed if we go back to 10 here, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. And of course, we looked over the weeks, we've looked in, 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 in Hebrews, how he partook of flesh and blood in chapter 2 in the book of Hebrews. Jesus partook of flesh and blood to abolish the one, to destroy the one that had power of death and, and kept us, kept humanity in bondage 
of that fear all their life. They were subject, but now Jesus came and they, he crushed it. Of course, we know that through the cross and going down to, to the pit of hell and being raised again, he abolished that and brought life and immortality to light because this power of an endless life, you see, love is immortality. We are immortal. And immortality always triumphs over mortality. Love that came to rescue us, rescued us from mortality, rescued us from death, rescued us from failure, rescued us to, to stop period and the, rescued us from the stop that comes in life. So we too now move in this endless divine life to endure all things. That there's no end to this endurance. There's no end to it. But we go what? From glory to glory. We go from glory to glory. And His divine expression of glory, we are making it as the Son of God made it. Enduring all things. Despising the cross. Despising it. What, what does that mean? What do, to qualify that is like uh, the best ways, I think, of Paul again, the, these, these light afflictions. They're but nothing. You got to bear the cross. You got to bear it. Yeah, we have to bear the cross. But hey, the glory that comes out of it, the glory of immortality, the glory of the power of an endless life, it's worth it. It's working a far greater way than glory. To say no to the flesh, say no to the flesh. Just wanted to look at um, Hebrews 12 for just a minute. 12, 1. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run what? What? With endurance. The race that is set before us. Ah, what is an endurance run? It's a victorious run. There's no run like a run with endurance. I do run. I do run. And, you know, there are times when you feel weak and, and uh, it's almost like you've got no endurance. It's a marked difference from another run that you feel you've got the endurance. When you run with endurance, it's pure victory. It's exhilarating. It is exciting. So we call to an exciting run. Sometimes look at these verses like, oh, slug it out. And no, it's exciting to have endurance. It's exciting to know that you've triumphed over this moment. It's exciting to know you've got the strength of the Son of God. It's exciting to rely to, on the inner man rather than the outer man. It's exciting to know that Christ in me, the hope of glory, has overcome all. And I, I am running with a strength divine that has already overcome all. It's an endurance run. A run qualified by endurance is a spectacular run. It's not a weakness run. It's an endurance run. It's a strong run. <laughs> Next time you read that, think about it. It's a strong run. It's not a barely making it run. I'm not barely making it. I've overcome all. That's what he said, you know, love and uh, love endures. He said that's the characteristic of an overcomer. No fail life. No fail. Uh, you know, you hear it. Oh, that's a fail. Oh, that's, no, there's no fail. No fail, buddy. No fail. No fail. Endurance run. 
Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking, looking, looking. That's the keys. What are you looking on? What are you looking on? That's where your strength comes on. The way your gaze is set. Where is your gaze set? And of course, when I look, now actually it, it comes from here. My gaze is set on the one that lives inside of me, Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to look at the Passion Translation on that one. We look away from, this is, this is Passion Translation, Hebrews 12 too. We look away from the natural realm. Look away from the natural realm. Just look away from the natural realm. Just look away from the natural realm. We fasten our gaze unto Jesus, who birthed faith within us, who leads us forward, not backward, in case you need to qualify. It's not a backward walk, not a backward run. It's a forward strong run who leads us forward into faith's perfection. I love that. Into faith's perfection. That's the one, he's the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. His example is this, because his faith was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. We are made to endure and to conquer all things. To conquer humiliation. Conquer humiliation. And now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. If he before me. If he is the one that started this victorious run. And he has gone before me. He is my forerunner. I have a perfect 100% assurance that, that I too will overcome. And that I too now with him where he is. I am seated exalted in that in that far above place, above powers and principalities and foes and in every hindering spirit and every confusing spirit. Oh, the confusion that's in these days. And we're far above it. We're so far above it. So we silence. We silence. How do we silence? Right here. By turning our gaze away from the natural realm. Go higher. Go higher. Set your gaze higher. We fasten our gaze unto Jesus. Because he too had set his gaze higher. So verse 3. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own. Who opposed their own souls. So that you won't become worn down and gave in under life's pressure. There's no provision for caving in in the Christ life. The Christ life has no, no provision for caving in. It's foolproof. It's failure-proof. It's an endurance run. It never fails run. It's an overcoming. It's never give up run. It's, it's, a, it's an endure to the very end run. After all, you have not reached, you have not yet reach the point of sweating blood in your opposition to sin and, and have you forgotten his encouraging words his encouraging words these are encouraging words these are encouraging words spoken to you as his children he said 
These things, this, these are the words. My child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord God or get depressed when he has to correct you. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. See, the word discerns the intents of the heart and is really the correction of God. And when you yield to the power of this corrective word, this, this, this unhindered sword of life, when you yield to the power of this divine life that the word of God is, it is, it is cutting away things that are holding you back from God. So correction is really to cut off that which held you back from God. So you're now drawing closer to God. So really it is the election of the word to be drawing to God. The Holy Ghost is leading us in truth and this truth is revelatory and is discerner of my heart and it's cutting off the, that which is of wrong intent. It's cutting off the selfish ambition. It's cutting off the maligning tongue. It's cutting off the... Um, strivings so that I be drawn closer to God that's why he says an encouraging word he says remember this encouraging word don't get downcast because you're corrected it is good it's cutting off it's cutting off that which hindered you that made you trip up for the Lord's training of your life verse 6 the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful Love, and when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. Because all of that junk, the weight, the sin that so easily ensnares us, is really hindering the walk of faith on earth. And the only thing that pleases the Father is faith. So when we draw unto the Father with a pure Faith, that's, we're pleasing, delightful children. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training, for he's doing what any loving father does to his child. And then talks about verse 8, we all should welcome God's discipline as validation of authentic sonship, dominion sonship. It's a teaching of the word of God. It's an out, I love it. It's an authenticate, authent, authentication of sonship. That's the word of God communicates that you're a son. Let's read this, the Passion Translation again, verse 8. We all should welcome God's discipline as the validation of authentic sonship. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves we're strangers and not sons. Then further down, he talks about, then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God more than our natural parents, for our spiritual father as we submit to his life-giving discipline. And then in 11... Now, now all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time. 
Yet later it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. So be made strong even in your weaknesses by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship and strengthen your weak knees. For as you keep walking forward on God's path, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. I love that. The word brings forth this divine healing of everything that has brought stumbling in the past for us. And that's why here, this corrective word, we're to lay hold of it. If we go back to 2 Timothy 2, 3, I'll wrap it up. I'll read this and maybe one more and then we'll be done. You therefore must endure hardship. That's, that's really is, is the corrective work of God that really makes us overcome every hard thing in life. So when we submit our lives to the working of the Spirit of the Lord to continually align us with the will of God, to continually bring forth this this, uh, authentication of sonship through discipline, we are really made strong to be able to endure all hardship here on earth. Because once you be chastened by your father, you know you're in the pleasure of God. And then nothing touches it. Because the love of God chases out fear. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engages in warfare and tangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Maybe we'll stop here. I'll just go through the verse. I'll read it again. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare. No one engaged in this forward walk. No one engaged in this run of endurance. No one engaged in this walk of faith entangles himself, that word entangles, entangles himself. Don't situate yourself in the seat of the sinners and the scoffers, like Psalm 1 says. We're planted by by that river of righteousness, the tree that always bears fruit we are now, in season and out of season, whose leaves never wither. Whatever we do prospers. It blesses our Heavenly Father. Because we don't... We don't entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life, with worldliness. So we might please him who enlisted us as a soldier. We are in the army of God and we are triumphant and we're taking over and we're walking in dominion and we're competing in athletics. (laughs) The next verse, verse 5. And also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And we know we're competing according to the rules because we're walking in the will of the Father. That the word of God has defined the path and the Holy Spirit is leading us on that path of eternal life. And so we now walk in the power of an endless life and we endure to the very end because we have already overcome all because we're born of God who is love. That's it. That's it. Amen. We're done.